Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny System, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny System with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at bluenile.com. And remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey, listeners. We at Meltopia feel that we could all use a little more laughter in our lives. So we wanted to tell you about Stellar Firma, 
the hilarious weekly science fiction comedy podcast by Rusty Quill. Now's your chance to find out what it's like to be a planetary designer employed by Stellar Firma Limited. Follow the misadventures of Trexel Geisman and his clone assistant David Seven through a world of robots, space stations, and more as they craft planets based on listener-submitted designs. With semi-improvised comedy akin to Hitchhiker's Guide and Red Dwarf, the award-winning Stellar Firma is now in its second season. So grab your towel and hop aboard. Search for Stellar Firma on your preferred podcast platform or visit RustyQuill.com for more information. Thanks again for tuning in, and our thanks to Rusty Quill for their support of the Maltopia podcast. The drugs did nothing to quell Lynn's awareness, for she could not sleep or dream or pass any deeper into nothingness than she already had, no further than the machine had already put her. The raven-haired passenger was merely a thin membrane stretched transparent across the face of the void, barely a distinction between her and the oblivion she concealed. The only thing the drugs accomplished was to nullify her body a situation she was entirely too familiar with, having spent most of her life within a non-responsive coma, dead but for a few biological holdouts. Her current predicament was no less terrifying for the wisdom. She hung in the void like a cold note of sustained silence, just the sound emptiness makes when you drop it into a bottomless pit. But she fought back the nullity when it attempted to become what was left of her, clawing her way to a lone beacon. A crumb from the outside proffered through a small opening in the absence of it all. It was the smell of rain. She seized the scent, wrapping it into the whispered silk of her lingering awareness, gorging upon its sense of self, its contact with the stuff of the breathing world. Using the trace of rain, she drew herself into the ears of her new host, devouring all that could be heard, and then made straight for the eyes, sinking her teeth into the view of the curious forest where it swayed to the damp breath of midnight wind. At last she was free, if entirely immobile, her awareness leaping and stalking through the underbrush, sidling the streets that rounded into curious forest. The wildcat whose senses she'd acquired lurked the outskirts of the city, seeking out whatever prey might chance the open spaces of the street. She leapt from the cat straight into a nearby rabbit's eyes, where they already contemplated the inviting stretch of road. Next, she sprang from the creature's pricked ears to dance across the quivering antenna of insects orbiting a nearby barber's pole. From there, she watched and listened, waiting for a hint of direction, a suggestion of the man who defeated her, and more than likely, her teammates, 
but it was her void sense that made the next discovery, the presence of a gliding specter, sweeping high and careless through the blackened skies. It appeared to her as a concentration of displaced senses, thousands of them unraveling upward like shimmering coils of weightless thread, converging upon a fixed but meandering point just above the city. The Nexus was not without some definition, as the sensate swarm outlined a shape of approximate human dimension, drifting incorporeal and somewhat monstrous, appearing to draw out the senses of an entire city. Lin wasn't certain the sum of stolen energies being collected from Curious Forest was entirely visible to her, as her void sense was rather particular about what it revealed, at least at the level she felt comfortable deploying it. Seeking deeper insights, she selected one of the glimmering threads and moved to inspect it. Using a series of animal, vegetable, and even microbial receptors, her mind advanced upon a woman walking down the street, a line of glimmering light snaking upward from the top of her head. To her left, a large concentration of additional uncoiling tubers entered through the northern face of the building, possibly denoting additional affected persons. An abundance of caution kept the tricky passenger from trying the senses of the woman, recalling the earlier debacle that had resulted from a similar attempt. Instead, she leapt high into the air, confiscating the delicate hearing of a bat that swooped low, snapping up one of her insect hosts. From there, she engulfed the senses of the creature's thronging brethren, circulating among them as they filled the air, creating an organic sonar network of sorts. Subtly manipulating the bank of receptors at her disposal, she brought her cluster of biosensors to bear against the spaces of the hospital, springing whatever secrets she could. There were at least 11 persons within the hospital, as her collective sonar could penetrate only so far into the building, its coherent returns hampered by various intervening materials. The rough total exceeded the number of visible sense strings by only one, compelling her to re-examine number 11. Her borrowed sonar supplied several of the target's bodily metrics, as well as its specific position relative to the others in the room, and even to what extent it was moving, and how fast. While the information conjured a familiar presence, there were variations that left her uncertain. But perhaps most importantly, she did not detect the presence of the glowing coils, thus could be reasonably certain it was not sharing information with the thing above the city. She leapt into the outlier, hoping the decision had not damned her. She was certain now. It was Mars. Lin could tell the Warbringer was close to death, his senses mere whispers of an awareness all but vanished. Her reaction to the man's looming fate surprised her as she thought of those moments after he lifted her from the ground, when he held her close and spoke her name. The resulting emotions pushed her into a space she never wanted to revisit, though the inevitability of her return, given the nature of her new life, was all but assured. If she did not press her limits, if she would not become even more of the oblivion that already filled her with nearly unbearable emptiness, Mars would surely die. Hazel had grown accustomed to sublimating the intensity of a moment by peering into the past. She'd been doing it since she stepped off the bus at Deadwich, detaching from the present whenever she felt trapped by it, like flicking on her own private TV show. But now the present commanded her attention, with bright lights and lockstep stalking figures in the darkness. The questing present seemed, for an instant, as if it might pass by the Malsapiens, missing them for the tall grass they'd squatted amongst. 
when suddenly the lights turned and fell fully upon them. Hazel's attention now shrank to points sharper than her pupils, the present fixing her with its glowing stare. What should we do, Eric? They know we're here. Hazel whispered, fear making her words seem louder than they were. She could tell Eric was shaking. Get behind me, Hazel. It would be, it would be best if you didn't watch. Eric stuttered as his hand reached beneath his sleeve. And then the figures behind the light spoke in unison. Hmm. You are both pretty rooted in layers, yes? Something in your minds, like an anchor I cannot uproot. Too bad, really. It would have been better for you. While the figures spoke, more voices joined in the speaking, all set precisely to the same words. Legions of additional shapes emerged from the woods, surrounding and spotlighting the panicked passengers. The metallic sound of guns preparing to fire clicked all around them. Whatever powers the machines are fit to impute you, be aware that I've literally hundreds of weapons trained upon you. And that is the least of my tricks, the army said, patiently waiting for the passenger's response to the show of arms. Eric's already pale face was washed out by the bright lights, his outstretched hand incapable of shielding him from so many points of illumination. The red of his lips and inner mouth was all Hazel could see of him when he answered the collective, which she was certain had to be an oversapien of some kind. All right, um, all right. Uh, um, listen, we all want, uh, all we want are our friends returned. Perhaps, um, maybe we might... Come back to town with me, and we can have a conversation. Perhaps something indeed can be worked out. The crowd of armed persons interrupted. Hazel was quick to notice the collective referred to itself in the singular. Eric looked over to where Hazel still squatted. She could see the confusion twisting his mind into knots. He renewed his spitballing, only this time it was aimed at her. Uh, Hazel, I think we might um, do as they propose. Perhaps... Eric just stopped speaking and lowered his head. Hazel knew the man had reached his limit. After snatching several small stones into her hand, she stood up. A detachment of lights moved from Eric's face to her own. Squinting into the beams, she recollected the advice Spider Black had once shared with her over coffee. She and her mentor were conversing about her father when a fly happened to land in a nearby spiderweb. She watched as the fly dragged itself across the silk further entangling its limbs. After a few moments of this, the spider emerged and fell upon the defenseless creature. To this, her patron advised, A web is a web. Moving anywhere upon it only advantages the spider. Once caught, it's best to lie still. Let the spider come to you while you still have the ability to fight back. Okay, you win. We'll go with you, Hazel said, realizing Eric had relinquished his role as spokesman. As she'd hoped, the mob moved closer to escort her and Eric back to the city, further into the web. When the group was close enough, Hazel threw up her hands, saying, Just don't shoot, okay? We're unarmed. Her actions concealed the stones she tossed into the air, while the rocks tumbled upward, her power pried open the temporal vault sealing away their early history, allowing for them to become what they had once been. Past became present, 
all within the blink of Hazel's colorless eyes. The ground pitched beneath her feet when the first boulder collided with the earth, blasting whomever it did not crush into the spaces above her head. The collective was cast into confusion, albeit a unified and lockstep expression of it. Hazel was pulling Eric into the deep woods by the time the second and third half-hills slammed into the planet. She noted the conspicuous absence of screams while the rocks did their awful work, which caused her to hope the collective was somehow composed of replicas, or robots, or something equally and specifically non-human, that she hadn't just crushed scores of individual human beings. Before the fleeing passengers disappeared entirely into the brambles, a spray of gunfire splashed across their legs, sending them tumbling into the brakes. Hazel almost immediately regressed the wounds back into unblemished flesh and was on her feet again in moments. But during the fall, she'd lost sight of Eric. She called out to him, but only gunfire replied. The collective had already steadied itself and was drawing a bead on her. More rounds flitted low through the underbrush. They were shooting for her legs again. They wanted to take her alive. Hazel, run. Just, just run, please. For the love of God. Eric was calling out to her from somewhere close, but unseen. The rapid exchange between pitch darkness and brilliant flashlights had all but blinded her. More bullets hissed past her legs. She was about to peer into the past to discover where the Englishman had fallen, but they were almost upon her now, and her body was racked with the pain from constant usage of her power. Ironically, she was out of time, and could only sob to herself and whisper, I'm sorry. Hazel felt her tears mix with the rain as she fled into the cold and dark. Over top the throbbing pain in his legs, Eric was happy. The sound of Hazel's footsteps fading into the rain meant she'd escaped. She was safe now, and she would not see what he was likely to do. His body relaxed when he realized the stakes had changed. He was the only one in immediate danger or who appeared to be in immediate danger, at any rate. Hordes of light rediscovered the fallen man's face, the pain in his legs overwhelming the strain they placed upon his eyes, allowing him to look unflinchingly into the lamps of his enemies. He could hear the collective, although significantly reduced in number, encircling him. And then came the aggregate voice. Tell me, was the brief reprieve worth your legs? Eric was emboldened by the newly shuffled deck. Unlike before, when he couldn't bring himself to press the button for fear of what might happen to Hazel, he was free of the possibility for unwanted consequences. He decided to use the moment for whatever advantage he could make from it. What is it you people want? He asked, wincing from the pain in his legs. What is best, naturally, was all the group said. Eric could feel a communal smile beaming as bright as the lights searching his face. Where are my friends? Can you at least tell me that? Eric asked, hoping to glean anything at all. I can do better than tell you. I can show you. The armed gathering replied, scores of hands making a sweeping gesture toward the city. Allow me to bring you to them. I'm a little injured at the moment. Seems someone went and shot me in my legs, Eric quipped, wondering at the source of his own levity. It didn't take long for him to figure out, as the other was horribly close now, nearly eye-level with his soul, called up by so much death and blood. And yet it remained quiet, 
likely studying the moment, waiting with bated breath for the push of a tiny silver button. Since it was I who caused your injuries in the first place, allow me to carry you back to town, where your wounds can be treated, and we can discuss your friends. The armed assemblage asserted, beginning to close in on the prone man. Eric was rapidly losing his comfort with the situation. Speaking with the creature was brash enough, but to let it touch him. Before the group had all but seized him, his synchronized adversary suddenly shot bolt upright, trembling and making faces that spoke of the purest, gut-withering fear, the point at which skin realizes the limits of what it can express of the soul. Eric wasted no time in gathering himself upon his ruined legs and fleeing with whatever strength was left to him, bolting as much from opportunity as from fear of those terror-stretched faces. He'd reached the other side of a steep hill when a collective scream ripped through the forest. While also limited in their ability to articulate the anguish of the soul, screams fare far better than skin, attaining a minor harmony with the lesser effulgence of the suffering spirit. The resulting intimation sent Eric running faster than ribbon muscle should have allowed, pushing him through the underbrush like a mad animal, absorbing the forest's lashing with nary a whimper. And while the first, unified shriek had passed, it had apparently broken down into smaller, more diversitive incarnations. Within seconds, Eric heard the scattered trample and howl of a pursuing multitude, flashlight beams waving wildly beneath the forest's canopy. Yet whatever uniformity the collective may have lost from its previous movements, it had clearly recovered through a shared and bloodthirsty madness. Eric tried to get ahead of the pack by leaping down the next hill, hoping gravity might gain him the distance that his damaged legs begrudged. He'd no more leapt from the mossy crown when a storm of gunfire shredded the leafy backdrop he'd left behind. If it wasn't clear to him before, it certainly was now. The Collective had abandoned any aspirations to his capture. Returning to the earth, the Englishman slammed face first upon a gathering of large rocks protruding from a surging creek, his grit teeth shattering like glass, pain mastering his body. Eric exhaled with finality and stood up. He was done running. After all, what was the purpose of the kill harness, if not to spare himself this kind of pain and indignation? He turned to face his pursuers where they poured down the hill, giddy at the prospect of murder. A bit of consistency returned to their movements when they caught sight of him standing wet, red, and broken in the middle of the stream, their flashlights moving in unison to wash out his face once again. The lone, stricken man was blinded, but he didn't care. It would help him forget their faces. Eric's finger found the silver button beneath his sleeve and pressed it. <laughs> Splendid, Eric. Just splendid. Hey everyone, Steve here. Mark Walker and I wanted to thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Maltopia podcast. And we wanted to take a moment to tell you about our other projects that provide you with exclusive content and behind-the-scenes bonus videos. How would you like early access to every podcast episode and creator videos that go into detail about your favorite stories? For free samples of what our Patreon has to offer, check out patreon.com slash and scroll through our public content. 
Is The Shepherd of Wolves your favorite series? Now you can listen to our award-winning audiobook adaptation, The Red Sun, free with your 30-day trial to Audible. For animated YouTube narrations, original artwork, and more, check out our website at maltopia.com. You can also tweet us on Twitter and join the fun on our Facebook and Instagram. Lastly, we love nothing more than hearing feedback from you. So take a moment to like, comment, rate, and review us on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. Just a few seconds of your time makes all the difference, helping us reach more folks just like you who can join the Maltopia experience. With your support, we'll be able to offer even more of the content you love to listen to, watch, and read. Thanks again from the three of us. We can't do this without you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Today, we'd like to introduce you to a great fantasy audio drama called Circe. The show is similar to Lord of the Rings, except that it focuses on an awesome gay sorceress on the planet of Elbion. Thyra is recording stories of her past to help regain her magical abilities. We learn of her life and how she came to be a member of the Circe. If you're a fan of gay stories and characters, Lord of the Rings and Xena the Warrior Princess, you'll love this show. Check out Circe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. <laughs> <laughs> you will be right Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like... You know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like, you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.